Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Beyond the Album Cover with yours truly, Jarrell Mason, where we get inside the entertainment industry with those in the know and give them their flowers while they're here to be celebrated. With me, I have two gentlemen that started a company out in Sin City, Las Vegas, talking about Vegas sports, the whole nine yards, and you may recognize one of my guests. He's been in the music industry for years, whether it's coming of age, his solo career, West Side singing with cash money we're gonna get into all that and then some with joe and tq franchise sports media what's going on fellas and welcome to beyond the album cover thanks for having us man thank you man appreciate it much love no problem i appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy day to do this interview now i was mentioning before we were setting this interview up how i Heard about Franchise Sport Media Media was through your interview, TQ, with one of the podcasts that I love heavily, The Gangster Chronicles. So can you expound upon oh, our yeah. audience about how did you and Joe link up with Franchise Sports Media? Um, Basically, this has been my boy for I don't know how long, man. He was He's always championed my records. He used to um, be a program director out in, at a station in Cali, at a couple of stations in Cali. And... Um, Joe was always a place where, you know, I would, he would be on the promo stops. You know, you hit all the radio stations and, you know, you do the song and dance about getting your record played. But like, I would go to the station with him and end up just like staying there because we just literally just be on the radio all day talking about whatever, and just kind of running it. So we developed a, a relationship um, over, over time. We both come from playing sports in high school. He played in college, played, went to semi-pro baseball, got drafted by the Braves, um, so then went into high school coaching. Um, so we would always get on radio and we're supposed to be talking about music and we end up talking about sports. And we literally have these long segments of sports, literally banter, just like all of the sports shows you see now on, on, on Fox and ESPN and all the others. Like we've been doing that for the longest. And um, it became a thing when our family started connecting with each other and we would, we would just do it at the house. We would literally just go back and forth on sports subject. And like, it would, in, it, it would entertain our kids, you know, my sister, my parents, our families. And they just be like, you know, y'all need to, y'all need to figure out some kind of way for people to watch this. And that was pretty much the idea. It, it, it began there. And from that point, we just started expanding. This man is a, a real connector um, out here in Las Vegas. He's the one that that announced the news that the Raiders were moving to Las Vegas before anybody else did. And beyond that, he's got a lot of love with UNLV and all of the all of the Vegas sports. He's the connector guy. You know, I'm I'm a lover of sports. We both are lovers of sports, and we both have a background in music and entertainment. So it's just kind of a natural progression for us to kind of get together and put this company together. And the way we shoot everything is completely different. You have the sports side where you get the sports and the sports news and different perspective because we cover it from an athlete and coach's perspective. But then you also get the entertainment side and what, 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 what Squeeze brings into it is, you know, this is how cool it will look. We shoot our videos a lot different. Our highlight packages are a lot different. The way we do our show is different. It's really a community. Like you come in, you come in, you're hanging out with your boys, having a drink. We're talking sports. We're having a good time. It's a family atmosphere. And it's, there's no pressure. We don't, we're not TMZ, no disrespect to TMZ or anybody else. We don't want to talk about the dirty laundry. Let's talk about what you're doing in the community because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, 
Squeeze is African American, I'm Hispanic and Italian. You know, it's a black and brown company and we really have to empower ourselves. So we linked up with other good people uh, within our creative director, Trisha LaCosta has a phenomenal job shooting everything, her eye and her vision, like is what she, she shoots all those videos. Yeah. So everything, every video you see, like the new single Roses that just came out on Valentine's Day to everything else that Squeeze has done, it's all Trisha. And so she brought that eye to it. And it's a winning combination. It's three people without egos that are family that genuinely love each other. And we have a good time hanging out, talking and shooting sports. Yeah. And sports entertainment goes hand in hand. Like we're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders and how the Raiders have always been a symbol for hip hop, you know, with NWA always rocking Raiders gear and the recent 30 for 30 that dropped with Al Davis versus the NFL, how he was always sticking it to former commissioner Pete Rosell and saying, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to be a G about it. And I don't care about what you say, because you can go anywhere across the country you'll see Raiders fans everywhere in that silver and black and they're always easily identifiable and they represent the outlaw of hip-hop culture absolutely absolutely and us both being from LA um at that at the time at our ages you know we're both in our mid-40s so it's like that was the time when when it was at an all-time high the rate this is the second time the Raiders are moving to our city. They, they, they we was little them. kids. They came to LA from Oakland and and won us a championship. We we joke like they follow us around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So you know, it's uh, it's a match made in heaven for us to have come up here, like you know, s- switch the home base, and then for them to come right behind us. You know, I kind of I'm 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 a spiritual guy. I, I think about vibes. I think about the momentum. You know, what I'm saying it means it means something to me, and I feel like there's some intervention from on high in this particular situation because it's just all it's all just coming together like it should man you know when when there are times in your life through business or through whatever other trials and tribulations that you run through when it just ain't going right you know what i'm saying and we've been there and it's, we seem to be turning the corner right now so we're grateful at the uh the support that we're getting from the city and we got some big ideas big things to come like we were smashing it and then just like everybody else COVID came out of out of nowhere and shut us down you know sports happening for months and we had just started a new company so we you know instead of panicking we got on our knees we prayed we put our heads together and, and figured out how we's gonna keep this thing afloat and and, and get it back on track right and, you know you bring up the you brought up the raiders and what they mean to hip-hop and, and culture you know we still say in, in the sports industry the most popular NFL team in LA is the Raiders. I mean, yeah, it is. you go, you go to when, they, when the Chargers were in San Diego, you go down there, it's Raiders South. You go to LA, if they play the Rams, they're back home in LA. So the Raiders really have, they're the melting pot of the NFL. They are one of like three or four logos and brands that are, it's globally known in, from the NFL. And it's a great, it's a great part. It's a great thing to be a partner with them and to work with them and be able to cover them. They're a really cool organization to work with as far as, the access they give you. And, you know, we were going into the Institute of Human Performance uh, yesterday. It's a partner of ours. We do, we just put on a high school football combine for the class of 21 and class of 22 over the weekend. And uh, walking out is Jonathan Abrams and Keyshawn Nixon. And they're like, yo, Joe, TQ. And we have to like stop and we, you know, chop it up. I've known Keyshawn Nixon for years and, you know, be able to chop it up with them and hang out with them is a good thing. And you got like 47 Raiders training there. That's one of our partners that we work with for helping youth, empower youth and, and, from, from the youth level all the way through college level, they go there to train. And, you know, that's somebody that we 
actually part of our branch. We're all a part of the same tree. We did all this together. We started all this together. Mm -hmm. Now with the Raiders in Vegas and then the Golden Knights and the NHL, what do you think the stance has changed in Vegas as far as pro sports? Because I know back when all the leagues were very cautious about betting and gambling and they're saying we're never going to have a pro team in Vegas. So do you think the different states relaxing their rules on gambling has led to the influx of professional sports coming to Vegas? I think it, it played a part. I think that um that uh DraftKings and what's the other app? Um, FanDuel. Draft yeah, FanDuel, DraftKings yeah, yeah. and FanDuel, I think um kind of set the stage for allowing people to bet on games, but it not necessarily affect the outcome of games. You know what I mean? And I think that that they looked at that as, as a business model and kind of said, okay, this market is wide open um, with the influx of people that came out here from California and other places in that big real estate boom that happened in the, in the early 2000s. Like this place is, is doubled in size. It's been the fastest growing city in, in America for a lot of years. Um, and it, it's bound to happen because it's just like, this is the city of entertainment. Like nobody puts on a show like Las Vegas. Um, unfortunately, we, we weren't able to see and participate in all of the things that the Raiders and, and you know the surrounding entertainment companies had planned for this year. But the Golden Knights, to go to a Golden Knights game, that's an experience. It's a production. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's one of the things, it's like, yo, you come to Vegas, you get the good restaurants, you go, you gamble, you see a good show, oh, go catch a hockey game. It doesn't matter if you know anything about hockey. You don't have to be a hockey fan. It's the Vegas hockey team. You're gonna go there and you're gonna be thoroughly entertained if you don't have a clue what's happening on the ice. And to, to your point, it, it's one of those things where you can go there with your boys for a guy's night out, you right. can go there with your family and, and your kids, you can mm -hmm. go there with your girl on a date, it, it encompasses everything because yeah. from the minute you get in there and before the game comes on to the, to the time you leave, you're it's some type of entertainment going on. And, and back to your point about sports coming to Las Vegas, Jarrell, you know, the thing is there's no other place that regulates sports gambling like Las Vegas. So it's regulated to the highest as it could, that it could possibly be high, you know, or be regulated, excuse me. So because of that, it's, I would have, there was no problem coming to Vegas. The problem was, how do you keep the guys in line? And and that was the, I heard that all the time when, when we broke the story. It was like, well, they're going to Vegas and they're going to go have a good time and they're going to turn up. Well, what do you think? What do you think happens in New Orleans and Miami, New York, L.A., Chicago? Those are all places that you love to go to. It's a great place to have a good time. And, and Vegas is no different. Half the league comes here anyway. Yeah, you I mean, come to just hang out. Yeah, look at LeBron. Five weeks or whatever else. The Lakers, after they won the championship, the first place they stopped in the bubble was in L.A. They stopped in Vegas and partied for the night. Yeah. Like, this is where you want to be at. Yeah, no doubt about that, because my wife and I, we're eight hours away from Vegas, so we go quite a bit for vacation. So it was during the deep playoff run of the nights, and you're just seeing everybody walking by T-Mobile Arena with their Golden Knights gear on. And it was just amazing right. to see because you're thinking a place like Vegas, like an Atlanta or L.A., where you can have all these transplants. And if you're a mm -hmm. sports franchise in those type of cities, you got to win because you got other things to do. Absolutely. And you're not winning. Right. And Vegas, that's the thing with Vegas. Everybody, you're a, if you're a winner, you're, you're going to succeed. And I think that's why the Golden Knights did a really good job in – 
And in that, in like, I and I'll say, and I've said it publicly before during interviews, when one October happened, um, the Vegas Golden Knights did a great job marketing to the city and rallying the city, and they've capitalized off that, off of that, this giving to the city and Vegas strong. When when that when that shooting happened, that that really propelled the Golden Knights, and then then they go to the Stanley Cup Finals in their in their expansion year, something that's never happened before. Now they're a winning organization. That put the pressure on the Raiders because the honeymoon period wasn't going to be, you know, you come in, you okay, they're going to be a 500 team. But the Raiders come, it's like, damn, they already are a team that played for a title and lost. We need to come in here and really compete. And this year, you know, it's kind of a wash year with COVID, but I think the Raiders are on the right track. And in the city of Las Vegas, the Raiders do a great job in the community, as do the Golden Knights. The city of Las Vegas has really accepted the Raiders. There, and there's, there's also another parallel to, to the whole Golden Knights story that is a bit different here than in other cities. So you always have expansion franchises, right? But if, when you look at Vegas, Vegas is an expansion city. Um, they had a, a supplemental draft, an expansion draft yeah. for the Golden Knights. Well, basically we took players from all over the nation. So the, the, the Golden Knights have fan bases based on the players that they, that they came in with the first year your favorite player came here you switched to a, a golden knights fan and that's just the way the city has come together you have so many people here from other places that i think they just went hand in hand with each other it was perfect timing the tragedy of of, of october 1st provided something for to, to galvanize the city the, the bgk being here at the time um they provided leadership in in kind of getting the city back on its feet um, and, and the fact that there are so many transplants and so many transplanted players, I think that that was a match made in heaven. Um, for the Raiders, man, it's the NFL. Like this is a place where, where the game watching on a Sunday or a Monday night, oh. it's one of the best places to do it in the world. And it's been happening for years and years and years. So, you know, the, the NFL already has a footprint in this place. The Raiders, are not gonna, they're not going to have the leeway that the Golden Knights had, partly because of the success that the Golden Knights had, but also partly because Raiders have won before. They're not a new franchise. And the vicinity of the place where they, where they came, they're not new here. There are tons of people here. We did an event last uh, year before last, yeah. and it was completely sold out, full of Raiders fans. And the team hadn't set foot in the in the, in the city. Yeah, it was, it they was, was still framing the stadium. Yeah, it was it was literally the the Friday after the league approved the 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 them the relocation. Yeah, we threw a we threw a big event at a at a local little bar, not little, but it's a local bar. And um, the Raiders sent us a lot of stuff to give away. We had a couple like the Raider fire truck and a Raider big rig out there that the local union uh, had put together. But the fire marshal came by three times because we filled a place of capacity. And there was still about three, 400 people trying to get in. Yeah, Crazy, 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 crazy. And I forgot to mention the Las Vegas Aces, the WNBA team. And I also felt that the one team that kind of laid the groundwork for the sports phenomenon that you see in Vegas is the running rebels of UNLV and the run that they had with the late, great Jerry Tarkanian with those great teams with Reggie Thiers, Arm Gillian, Larry Johnson, Greg Anderson, Anderson Hunt, Stacey Augman, and ended up winning the national championship in 1990, I believe. Right, right. That, that was the, 
Like that's the that's what everybody goes to when you think about Vegas sports. That's what started it all. And um, those was the we, we was in L.A. at the time. We were just talking about this at lunch. Man, today. when when the <laughs> running rebels came on, it's just like the Lakers was coming on because it was a show. It, it, it's Vegas, you know what I'm saying? It could only be that team. It's a match made in heaven. It was like nine ten o'clock Saturday night. You had the yeah. shark, the girl, the, the cheerleader on her surfboard. Yeah. Like she's going, the shark comes and eats her. Yeah. And you know, Tark, you had those teams with Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt, Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogman. I mean, that team was to me. And I know we've been watching sports a long time, but that's the greatest basketball team ever assembled. The way they played with the Amoeba defense and the Aces, let's give Mark Davis, the, the Raiders owner, some credit. He just purchased the Las Vegas Aces. So now not only does he own the Raiders in Vegas, he owns the WNBA team, which now that puts him in a position where the NBA and Major League Baseball is going to have to deal with him directly on business, which in, in turn just makes him an even better owner. And you got to tip your hat to, to MD with that from that business acumen standpoint. Mm. And now you guys been from LA. LA is on fire right now. You know, the Lakers and the Dodgers winning it all in their respective sports. And, yeah. you know, we just got word that AD is sitting out, re-aggravating his Achilles. So do you see the Lakers going back to back or do you think that someone else is going to try to take down LeBron and crew? He just asked if they're going back to back. We do this in twos and threes, you know? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> that's the way we do it. <laughs> You know, just win one. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. win a couple at a time. Yeah, he needs to have his because um, the 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 load on his body is more than he's ever been in his whole life. He's never played this much basketball in this short amount of time. Um, uh, LeBron, who has always played this amount of basketball in a short time, going from the bubble having forty five minutes off. And starting back a new season at his age, it does worry me. Um, and I, 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 I personally think that the Lakers need to get in coast mode. You do not need to be the number one seed to win the championship. They just need to get in the playoffs and be healthy when they get there, and they'll be fine. And, and this whole keep AD off for three weeks, two weeks, no. Keep him off six weeks. Six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. We don't need to see him no time soon. By the time he comes back, whatever moves they made will be made. That team will be ready to go. You just insert the second best player in the world, you know, behind LeBron and let him get at it. The Lakers are in a great position. They're in a winning now state, a winning now mind state, which is something as Laker fans, you know, we've been blessed to see 11 championships in our lifetime as Lakers fans out of their seven. They got no more fingers. No baby. more fingers. Where, you know, and. Everything that, that that's happened last year, you know, it, I think, you know, we had a couple of angels looking down, helping guide them in the bubble. Um, God rest Kobe and Gigi's souls. Um, and I think now that kind of put the – when LeBron came, he kind of shifted the direction of the franchise back and then getting AD and then the guys and how they gelled really turned it back. And this team right now is better than last year's team. Once it, When AD's on the floor, this team is by far and away the best team in the NBA. Right. I also I believe that with the changes that they made, um, I still think that there's a bit of getting to know each other yep. that the team last year was able to do before the season stopped. That camaraderie, that chemistry that they were able to carry over in the bubble. I don't necessarily believe this team has it yet. And that's just because they haven't been able to spend the time together yet. I think with AD sitting on the bench, a lot of these other guys are going to have to step up and that's going to be a chemistry building process for him to fall back in 
and him and Brian actually know exactly what they have with Trez and with, with Schroeder and all of, with Gasol and Nuki. Right. Now this question is directed to you, TQ. I want to ask you, how are you able, how were you able to translate and apply what you've gained over the years in the music industry to franchise sports media? Because like I stated at the top of the interview, you've been doing your thing since coming of age 93, the record on Zoo, coming home to love in Atlantic, West Side, Cash Money, Way of Life. Yes, sir. I do my research. Yeah, you own it. <laughs> yeah. You own it. <laughs> I mean, the way I see it, man, it's uh this is all entertainment. Sports is entertainment. And I my belief in this market, like I, I first uh I bought a house here in Vegas in 2000, but 99, I moved in in 2000. And I've always lived in both places. I've always gone back and forth to LA up until two years ago. So this is the first time when I've, I've just been like, this is home base. And I've done a lot of, uh, just a lot of research about this market um, from just being in real estate and just doing other little business ventures and stuff over the years. And, you know, I've always felt like it's a right sports city. Like it, it falls in line with with a New Orleans or a St. Louis or even an Oklahoma City, places like that, where it's not it's not a huge population, but it's a population that falls that loves sports. You know what I mean? And so when the Golden Knights came, that was a, a, that was kind of a lab to me. Like I really wanted to see, with hockey being the first uh, professional sport here, way out here in the desert. Like if if, if this city gravitates to that then the way I see it, they, they're ripe and ready for everything. Not that I'm down on hockey or anything, but you would think of all of the other major sports. You know, you have basketball come here every year. You always have a, a college bowl game here every year. But hockey, that was the last. So I, I really wanted to, to just see how the city accepted it. But the entertainment factor, I believe, is what sold people on the Golden Knights. And when I'm in Vegas, you know, I'm not I'm not here to down the, the radio stations or, or newspapers or any of the, the sports coverage, but it's just it's dry. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a Dodger fan. I'm a Laker fan. I'm a, a Raider fan. And, and those teams have stamped themselves in in inside the DNA of Los Angeles. You know what I mean? And, and yes, the winning has something to do with it, but it's also the presentation, the way that the teams are reported, the beat writers, the, 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 the way that they're shot, the, the people on the news that spend so much time, more time on sports than they do here in, in Vegas. I felt like this was a, a perfect opportunity for us to just kind of take the coverage of sports and just make it a bit cooler for, for lack of a better word, um, with our ideas, our knowledge of sports and my background in just entertaining people it kind of felt like it would be, a, you know, it would be something that, that would work for the city. It's working so far. We're in a position of, of, of expanding. COVID kind of, kind of put a damper on us, but it put a damper on everybody and we prepared for the bounce back. Yeah, because 
I believe because when you watch your major sports networks like your ESPNs, Fox Sports One, CBS Sports Network, NBCSN, you don't really see a lot of coverage for the mid-market teams. You're only going to get your major markets, and that's going to be right. what sells. And that's what's great now about all the streaming platforms and the online platforms is that you can pretty much cater to your particular teams and demographics to where you don't necessarily have to go to the big game in town. You're going to get your specialized, localized content and you're going to get it presented in a way that's not going to be seen on the big media outlets. Exactly. You're 100% right. That was the the idea going into this. Um, You know, we just, we felt like we had the talent between the three of us. Um, Like as he was speaking uh, earlier, our, our creative director, Trish, is like, she's no joke. She's the, she's the glue to all of this when it comes down to, um, you know, people seeing the content. That's what they want. They want the content. And we have a, a way that we do it. And that's strictly because of her. And I believe that, you know, I believe that our way is just, I think it's highly entertaining. And for a, a, a relatively new sports city, if you start falling in, in love with sports in the way that that we present it, we believe you're gonna, you know, you, you're gonna stay entertained year round. That, mm-hmm. That's that's what our whole point is. We want to cover this city year round to keep the Las Vegas sports fan completely entertained. Right, and with sports, primarily basketball and football, we're seeing the intersectionality of race and sports. Mark Cuban had recently stopped the national anthem from being played at Mavericks games until the NBA stepped in and say, you must play it because it's actually in their rule book about teams playing the national anthem before every home game. And then, of course, with what Colin Kaepernick did when he was with the 49ers taking a knee and pretty much effectively being blackballed from the league. So how do you think that major sports are reconciling the issues with race and sports and how some people necessarily want their athletes to shut up and dribble. <laughs> we was just having this conversation. <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know, the majority of American sports fans don't necessarily understand the plight of the American athlete especially for football and basketball. These are the sports that are predominantly black. Um, The players are coming from a place that is not a part of reality in the head of, in the heads of most sports fans. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a, this is a majority uh, white country. You have a lot of, of blue collar white people who are fans of the NFL and they don't have a clue about the plight of the black man in America. They don't, they're not expected to have a clue, to be honest. I now, where, where it bothers me is when, you know, when I tell you my plight and I explain to you why I'm doing what I'm doing and you're still mad, then it's an issue. But first and foremost, people want their sports. They just want their sports without anything else. I understand that. I get that. But when it starts getting, when it comes to this point and and as a black player, where you have such a large platform to speak about the things that affect you that may not be affecting the rest of the nation, it's for awareness more so than anything else. Um, I, I really think that a person 
whose heart is in the right place can see a man kneel down during a song in protest and that doesn't have to bother them because as an American, you should be able to understand that that person is exercising their right as an American, regardless of if their plight is a bit different from yours. So I think that it's just, it's more about having an open mind, um, but we also have to understand that the leagues have their bottom line that they're trying to protect. And their bottom line is based on what the population of the US is, which is majority white, blue collar people who don't necessarily know, understand or experience the plight of black and brown people in the country. So that whole dynamic is something that we're gonna have to continue to work on. And I don't know if, if the route is to just jam it down their throats because this is reality. I don't know if it's about packaging it up in a different way so that we can all understand each other. But the bottom line is the truth is the truth. Uh, police brutality is a huge problem in this country, the protest was never about anything else. That flag with the stars and stripes on it, it's my flag, it's his flag, it's your flag. It's all of our flag, it represents us as a country. None of us, none of us wanna disrespect it in any way, but we do want to shed some light on the fact that just because you don't have any knowledge of this particular occurrence or this particular issue, you haven't experienced it, at least have a heart to understand that your fellow Americans are going through it. And this is the way that they want to bring awareness to it because it's that important. It should never be shut up and dribble. Never. But like Draymond Green spoke about it on, um, on Tuesday night when he was talking about, you know, the, the, the difference of their coverage that you get from an athlete to an owner. Teams can sit guys out because they want to get rid of them and tell them, don't come to work. We'll still pay, but just don't come to work, and it's cool. But let Deshaun Watson or Anthony Davis say, yo, I don't want to be here for X, Y, and Z. I want to win. My owner's racist, whatever the case may be. But yet they're chastised and vilified by society. And, and the reality is athletes shouldn't, have, shouldn't shut up and dribble. They need to have a voice. Because they have the ability and the platform to reach people. And, and I feel they have an obligation to educate and reach people. Because if they don't, what are you? You're just saying, yes, all right, I'm going to do what you want me to do. You know, that makes no sense. You got you to, in order for change to happen, you got to invoke it and you got to affect somebody. Right. And then we also go further back with uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who played yes. the Denver Nuggets and how he protested um, not standing for the flag and was praying because he practices the faith of Islam and how he was right. blackballed from the league. And then before that, Craig Hodges, when the mm. Bulls won the championship, I believe it was 91 or 92, went to the White House, right. which George H.W. Bush in office in the Dashiki and had a kind of like a 50 point plan of how can you better the community, but it's all about using your voice as an athlete. And now with social media, you get to control the narrative and not have people write it for you. And then on the topic of the NCAA, I believe there's a reckoning that's going to be coming with the NCAA. They just announced that they're going to be redoing the NCAA football and you know, with the Ed O'Bannon case that happened years back when that led to the stoppage of those games and how these schools 
are making money off of these athletes and you're telling them that even though you leave to go to your respective professional sports, we still own your name, your image, your likeness forever in perpetuity. And you cannot play for an NCAA sanctioned school unless you sign that dotted line for that letter of intent. And for those of you that don't know, those are not full four-year scholarships, by the way. Those are four one-year renewable scholarships. So if a player is not up to snuff, then the coach could just cut them. So I would recommend $40 million slaves by William C. Roden if you want to know more about that. Hey, that yeah, is. Yeah, for real. Yeah, for, for real. Sure. It's just, it's, the NCAA is a modern-day slave owner. That's what it is. And that's why we support our, you know, our college athletes, you know, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, we were just talking, we were, you're bringing up stuff that everyday conversation yeah, was dead on. <laughs> we were just talking about NCAA football. It's uh, actually a topic on our next, uh, our, our next, next show. Yeah. Our show. And, yeah. and just how much of a, how much it impacted us. I mean, that's something that I literally tracked my ex-wife's contractions for one hour playing that game because I knew how long it took for me to play it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been with him and he's, we're at the house all day and yeah. we're on the sticks playing you know, and re yeah. recruiting and doing all that. So that was one of our favorite games. And you know what? If, and if it took a hiatus for six years, seven years, unless they put out a couple years, for players to get mo to monetize and make money off their likeness and be able to to be a part of that game again and, and it helps them out, then, then who am I to complain? You know, because as a former athlete, I would love to be monetized, you know, just like you would if you sell an album. Yeah. You sell – you know, the second coming or they never saw me coming down, you still get paid. Absolutely. These athletes don't get paid. Let, let, let's put money in their pockets because no one knows their schedule during the day better than an athlete. Right? Yeah, because if you put it out in the open, you won't be having situations like in the movies, the program and blue chips. Shout out for Tony and blue chips on <laughs> Flunkin' TV. If you know, you know what I'm talking about. Them $20 handshakes like Alvin Mack and uh, Darnell Jefferson. But he had yeah. Holly Berry as a tutor, so it all worked out for him in the end. So a few more things I want to, and I'm going to get you guys out. So we just lost this week Vincent Jackson, who played for the Chargers and Tampa Bay Bucks at 38, and then we're seeing the effects of CTE and concussions with the NFL and the loss of former athletes like Dave Dorsen, Junior Seau, and then a lot of athletes are open about the use of cannabis in recovery. You know, Al Jefferson got his company, Viola, Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes openly advocating for it, you know, with their podcast, All the Smoke, because we're seeing that when you get hooked on pills and you have trainers that say, hey, I got to tell you to go back out there, even though I know you're not 100%, but they're paying my bills, so I'm not going to go against them. So how do you think the NFL and most major sports leagues handles the use of marijuana and recovery and then the NFL, especially with the effects of CTEs and concussion. And anyone can you take know, it. Um, it's funny. Um, uh, my cousin, Terry Bowler, shout out TB. He's um, actually heading up a lot of cases of, of ex-players um, catching that, getting damages because of the effects of CTE and, and numerous concussions and, all this other stuff, man. It's a, it's a, it's a trip to, to know how many guys after football have been affected, and it's also, it's wild to, to, to see how much the NFL and the powers that be don't want to take care of. Like it's, a, it's been a struggle for a lot of these guys to 
receive some type of compensation. And what he ended up found, finding was what he believes to be, and a lot of people believe to be a whole lot of uh, discrimination there with white players being able to get paid pretty easily and all these black players getting refused on their cases. So my cousin is working on that um, heavily with a lot of ex-players. He's a, he's an agent in the NFL for a long time. And, um, you know, the truth of this is when you put that helmet on and you decide that you're going to run full speed into another human being with a helmet on, you know the risk involved first and foremost. But at the same time, especially back in the day, those guys weren't making enough. They were being highly underpaid. Um, there's a reckoning from the NFL, I believe, and it needs to be more than, than what's done already to take care of those guys. If no other reason, but because of the huge disparity, the, the, how, how little they got paid compared to what guys get paid now. So, so not, not just throwing it out there, but if something happens to Tom Brady tomorrow, if something happens to Drew, to Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or, or, or any of these guys tomorrow, hey, their families are set. You know what I'm saying? Like they've played for years and years and they're they're good. Whereas you got those guys from the 70s, man, and the 80s, and even some of the early 90s where they went out there and gave it all. And they don't have it like that. They, a lot of them are working regular jobs now. You know what I'm saying? So I believe that, that the NFL, it's been proven that this has definitely affected the health of, of numerous players. And it's time for the NFL to do something about it and really do something about it because you're constantly making more and more money every year. Like you can take care of these people. It doesn't take that much. Uh, I think that there's just a high level greed uh, and not just in, in NFL, but in American business period, that that's the part that I don't think we can, we're going to be able to get past. And it's just going to have to be some time spent in court. You know, it, it, the, you brought up Vincent Jackson um, and V Jackson. I got a chance to cover him a little bit with the Chargers um, when I was doing sports media in Palm Springs and we were a flagship station for them. Um, but that speaks to a larger issue, not just with CT, but mental health for players. I mean, mental health is something that from the NFL level down to the youth level with kids not being able to play sports this year in most of the country, high school seniors missing out on, on the season where they're not able to, to get recruited some kids because they needed this senior year for their tape to really take off and virtual learning and, and the mental side of things. That's why you're having more suicides and, and, and people doing harm to themselves or even others because they're so frustrated. Um, I have a brother that played in the NFL, Tyron Brackenridge, and he was a part of the CTE case. And, you know, he has it. And luckily it's not bad, but I've also did a radio show with a former athlete in LA. Um, and in mid-sentence pre-production on a show, he forgot what he was saying. Literally forgot, just stopped and looked confused and lost. We had to call his wife to come get him. It took him about 10 minutes to, to gain like any type of like consciousness of where he was at. This guy was sitting there with his eyes open, looking around in the studio. I mean, and you see that in your scared, you get scared because this, I have, we have plenty of friends and family that's, that's played in the NFL and played in other sports. Yeah. And I've told you this since 94 yeah. that the only, I mean, at that time I felt the only league that deserved guaranteed contracts was the NFL, but I, I think all of them do. But the guys in the NFL put themselves at risk every every practice, every game. The college kids have it worse 
because they're hitting every practice, unlike the NFL guys who hit one day a week. So it, it's a it's a completely different um, animal when it comes to that. At the end of the NFL's the, the elephant in the room, the gorilla in the room with with all the the data they have that they withheld. Um, yeah. And 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 then that on top of that, like that data needs to be shared like, with that's everybody. The, that's the top league in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like that data needs to be shared with football on all levels. My, my God, brother, man, he got he took a head hit in the game at eight years old and had to learn how to walk again. Mm. So it's, it's it's I mean it's a barbaric sport. We love it to death, but to to actually be doing research and finding out what's actually happening. And to withhold that research for fear of a bottom line, as opposed to putting that research into action and development for better helmets, for better equipment, for, for better technique teaching at a, at a younger age. Like all of this stuff could have been done and they just well, decided not to like do it. Pete Carroll, the Seattle Seahawks head coach, former USC head coach, came up with a new way of tackling called hawk tackling. And he got it by watching rugby. So you're not leading with your head. You're you're putting your your inside shoulder, outside shoulder in, and it's it's a whole different way of, of playing football. And that's why you know his teams are a lot better tackling teams for the most part. But you don't see a lot of head injuries with his teams because of the way that he taught and the way that he continues to preach and teach. And now that that that's becoming synonymous with a lot of youth sports. Um, thankfully, as a father, you know you definitely even as a son who plays sports, and I have two more that's going to be playing football and other sports in the near future it is not something that that i take lightly i mean having your kid have a concussion is a scary thing as a former coach being out there you watch him you literally have to take the helmet away and he does something that you know some some dads would be proud of because you have to take a concussion baseline test he fails the concussion baseline test prior to the start of the season so he can get the minimal answers and go back on the field and play because he feels that's what he has to do he got it from NFL guys. He knows some. They told him what happens. Those are the things that are scary. And, and I, I, like you said, Squeeze, I really think that the NFL would really be prudent in opening up what they have. So not just youth sports, but they can share it with the NBA. They can share it with Major League Baseball, the NCAA, as well as FIFA. Absolutely, because the, 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 the amount of concussions and head trauma happening even in soccer is alarming. And yeah. that's just a ball. That's not even, you're not banging your head into people. You're just repeatedly hitting the ball. But the head is not something that's supposed to be banged on over and over again. For whatever reason, we as humans do that for sport. <laughs> but that's a, that's a quick way to a short life, to be honest. Right. And the same thing with boxing and UFC, because it doesn't surprise right. me uh, that professional boxing or UFC, you have to wear headgear because as we see with, with some older boxers, all those blows to the head, they add up. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I mean, your brain is not attached to anything. It's floating. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you got get to banging your head around, your brain is hitting the walls of your skull. So it's like, it's, it's just not, you know, but say all that to say, if, if anybody can figure out anything is human beings. Yeah. So mm -hmm. with the release of information from research and development, the protection should get better. Who are you? What are you trying to, uh, to achieve to withhold that type of information from, from the rest of the world? That's, yeah. that's borderline. 
Yeah, NFL is trying to be like Big Tobacco where we don't really want you all to know the side effects and the damages because we're (laughs) going to lose a couple of dollars and we're going to have youth participation in sports drop. Now, do you guys think there should be an age limit on when kids can play tackle football? You know, I I don't doubt that's tough because I I don't agree with football year round. I know in Las Vegas and the state of Nevada, they have spring football. And I don't agree with that. We, we work with a lot of people that, you know, especially squeezes really into the fitness side of things and, and the why. And I don't see the purpose in year-round football. Um, I think five- and six-year-olds are way too young. I mean, they're still developing. They're still – some of them can't walk and chew gum at the same time. So for something like that, I would say like nine, ten. But I have a – work, we're working with somebody – who's an elite 11 quarterback coach. Elite 11 is where the top quarterbacks go. He works there. And his son, who is a sophomore now, didn't play tackle football until he was a freshman in high school. He played flag football and seven-on-seven football, but he went through all the drills, you know, and because, you know, he wanted him to develop. So I would say, I mean, at least 10, you know, I mean, I, I know Peanut started at eight or nine, but maybe 10 years old um, and put him in flag or, or put them in flag or, or some other seven-on-seven type football uh, prior to that so they can learn the basic skills and understand. So it would be easier for a coach to translate into teaching how to tackle properly, how to how to take proper angles and protect yourself. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think my, my – I'm kind of back and forth on it, um, partly because of the, the things that I, that I was talking about earlier. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. I mean, I played when I was young. You know what I'm saying? My, yeah. my son played when he was young. I did too. Um, but yeah, as I as I get older, man, and as I'm learning uh, the findings in this particular field, you know, I think you make maybe you tune them up before high school, eighth grade. I don't think it should go no no lower than that, honestly, because it's just it, it, it takes one wrong hit, one bad hit, or or especially in the inner city where there's the resources aren't there, like the helmets the equipment that was used last year it was some, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not brand new. It's, it's not, not up for snuff. It's not, for, you know, so, uh, you know, I just believe that, that we probably started playing too young. Um, and with the science and the information that we have now, uh, it, it's kind of our duty to protect these kids and like, like at least get them in, in, in junior high school. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily believe a kid should take his first hit in ninth grade. Well, you remember, <laughs> you you remember saying, when but... we played, Chase, you played, we all played. Mm-hmm. When you seen stars and you got hit, if you're a defensive player, that's a great hit. Yeah. But little <laughs> do you know, you're concussed, you know, yeah. and you're like. And you you're concussed like, on the sideline. Yeah, I'm all woozy because how many feet you holding up? Uh, Two. Yeah. You're good. Go back in. Get back in the game. Yeah, because yeah, well, a lot of the I drills. That, yeah, because a lot of the drills that I used to do. You can't do now. You can't do the Oklahoma drill. You can't do the bull in the ring drill. None of nah, those drills nah, nah, nah. that <laughs> I looked forward to when it was the first day of pads. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I, as we call it. Yeah. I, I had a trainer in college tell me like they they he literally sat behind me, put his arm, arm around me like you've seen in Creed. And then how many fingers will hold up? And he tapped me three times <laughs> to let me know it was three because they needed me back in the game. I'm like uh, three. Like okay, go. Like I, and I'm out there concussed. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Man, that, here? That's crazy. And another thing I want to ask is that with the specialization of kids doing one sport all year round, do you think that that has lessened kids' experiences of playing more than one sport? Because we're seeing kids doing AAU basketball 
all year round. And normally your best players would play for your high school, but all your best kids are playing for AAU. I think that it, it, it takes away a, a certain amount of childhood. It, 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 a lot of these kids, man, they so under pressure about making it to the next level of going D1. Yeah, going D1 or doing this, doing that, going to the league, blah, blah, blah. So, so you spend your whole life waiting for that to happen. And I mean, that don't, that don't really happen to anybody. When it comes down, it's, and listen, it's 8 billion people damn near on earth. The overwhelming majority of them did not go to the NBA and will not go, most of them won't ever go to a game. So to just pull all that together and just say, oh, this is your job. You're gonna play basketball year round or you're gonna play football year round. Or, you're not gonna stop, you're not gonna stop. Even when it comes down to the way that the body works, these repeated motions over and over and over again, the same kinds of motions, your body will get stagnated in those kinds of motions. So the first time you try to do something else, boom, you pop an ACL, boom, you bust up a, 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 a Achilles. Achilles. These soft tissue uh, injuries that are happening, that's from overwork, man. That's from your body being stretched one way over and over and over again and not being stretched the other way at all. Whereas when we was growing up, when it's baseball season, we're playing baseball. When it's football season, we're playing football. Basketball, we're playing basketball. We're running track. We're doing it all. It's allowing your body to move in so many different ways. It's allowing you to put pressure, to pressurize these soft tissue issues that, that are, it's more athletic, uh, elasticity when you're able to move more. So. I, I have an issue with with the repetitive motion without you know without the proper stretching without the proper massaging without the it's just a lot of things that go into the human body and the, and the, and the muscular system that year round one sport you know it can cause problems right you know it, it, go ahead, I want to say it, it also takes away from being an athlete I mean when you have somebody that you can that you know can shoot a basketball better than anybody else. But when you watch him throw, it's hella awkward. Or you watch him try to catch a ball he can't catch. It, it takes away – when you play other sports, it allows your body also to recover from the other sport mm -hmm. while keeping you active and building other muscles that could benefit you in all the other sports. Right. And, and let's be real. As, I mean, we're, I know we're parents, and, and I've told my son, and I, you're not going league at eight years old playing Little League Baseball. You're not going league at 11 years old playing junior all-American football. Like, this is for you to get better. And when you go to college, your high school is for you to get prepared academically, but then also, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy your sports. Because then, again, in football, you're not going league from high school. You have to, there's steps you need to take for a reason and your body needs to recover. And that's part of the problem. There's not a lot of recovery. There's right. not a lot of recovery going on. We, we, right. we, we have a guy that we work with, um, uh, at the Institute of Human Performance named Sean Friedis, where Project Wellbeing is at. This guy, he is the wellness person for the Raiders. Yeah. And like I said, that's why Raiders are walking out of there because they're in there getting their treatment to be ready for next season now because it's, a, it's and LeBron invests over a million dollars into his recovery. That's stuff that has to happen. To play something year round, all you're doing is damaging your body a lot quicker and a lot sooner than what it should be. Because mm, by the time you come into the league, you have a body of a – 30 35 year old and also I <laughs> right. think what is being lost with playing sports year round for AAU is that you remember how in the neighborhood 
for basketball pickup, right? You have your best five. Yeah. You go to that neighborhood, play their best five, and you get yeah. You know, yeah, who's yeah. best. And kids, right. you get to learn firsthand the art of not being as good as you thought you were if you were last picked or not picked at all and saying, okay, little man, you got next. That told you, like, hey, I got to work on my game to get better to get picked or right. get off of the loser's court and get on the winner's court. Right. Yeah, that's and, true. And let's take it a step further when it comes to specialization with sports. Look at a sport like baseball. It's not there's there there. It's less than seven percent African Americans in Major League Baseball. What's the lowest has been since Jackie Robinson integrated the major leagues, wow. and and that's because the cost. When you play when you play little league baseball, it's one hundred and fifty to sign. Then you got fifty dollar cleats. $250 glove. And I'm giving the cleats. That's if you go somewhere cheap. But they're like, again, $125 for cleats. Batting gloves are $50. Bucks. You get a bat, it's $250. Bucks. I mean, you're out, of, you're out of your pocket $1,000 just to have little Johnny play baseball. Yeah, Johnny ain't even threw a ball yet. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't nothing. That's crazy. But do you think, like, back to basketball with the success of guys that came out of high school, went straight to the NBA, like KG, Kobe, LeBron, we could go on and on about the guys that came out and were successful, but then you had the other guys that tried but didn't succeed, like a Lenny Cook or Shea Cotton. Do you think that those cautionary? Yeah, there's a good documentary on them called Manchild. And man, yeah. he was a man amongst boys. And Felipe Lopez, great player, should have left after after high school. But do you think that because of those cautionary tales, and then the NBA? saying we're seeing a lot more kids coming in that are not ready that's why they instituted the age limit but i'm thinking that they're probably going to reverse that and have high school kids come out for the next i'll say three to five i think that that goes back to what we was talking about earlier um i think that these kids now are for basketball because of aau they're much more ready oh, yeah. <laughs> to compete in the nba now than they were at the time when kobe and all of them were coming out um, and, and, you know, I think more so than anything, I don't think it's about the game. I think it's about teaching these kids how to be men and how to be professionals Yes. more so than, than their ability to, to, to play on the court. Um, at that young age, you're just not a man yet. And you just don't know how to handle manhood and professionalism. I think that that's what the NBA needs to invest in mentorships mentorship programs for kids that are so talented that they can completely make the jump because you know college ain't for everybody and if you're if you're good enough for people to even be considering you coming out of high school you need to take the you need to take the jump because once again going back to who's playing in the NBA mostly black players right what are we missing more than anything else generational wealth that's what we missed. We can't go get the house and then pass it on to our children. We can't go and get the property and then sell it and then pass it on to our children. But we can go to the league and make a gazillion dollars and pass it on to our children. So the kid that's that great to even be mentioned about going straight from high school to the league, don't go waste time in college. Like you're here to play basketball. Let's see what you got. And it, it'd be a shame if the kid has the ability to play NBA basketball, but they just don't have the mindset and there's no one there to give that to him. 
Right, and yeah. we've seen and, and, that with, um, with you know, Last Chance You with a lot of the guys playing JUCO yeah. football as their last pit stop to the NFL. And I believe right. they're going to do a basketball spinoff. So that's where the importance of knowing who you are as a whole person and academically, because you don't want to be one of those kids that get passed along and you get one injury and it's all gone. Well, that, that goes to something I've said for a long time. If, if, if When Kobe and KG came out and – I'm going to be honest. They're different. They're different animals. Okay. Like Kobe, KG, LeBron are different animals than any other high school kids that's come out at all at any point. And that includes Amari Stoudemire or anybody else, Tracy McGrady, Kobe, K, they, they're just built and wired different. Um, for, but I always say that the kid goes to a college, they need to have two classes mandated for athletes, men and women across the board. That's money management where you learn how to deal with finances, how to invest, who to listen to, who not to listen to, and a class on how to deal with the distractions that come up being an athlete, the groupies, the family members that are asking for money, the, the hangers-on, and to understand it's okay to say no. One of my close friends is Kenny Anderson, former Georgia Tech point guard, number two overall pick by the New Jersey Nets. Kenny played uh, about 15 years in the NBA. One of my Close friends, great guy, coach at Fisk University in Nashville. And Kenny had to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy because not just because of dealing with the aspects of having children, way too many children, probably at a younger age and having to deal with, okay, it's $10,000 a month child support or whatever it may be. It, it had to do with family members saying, hey, like if I were an example, squeeze, let me get 50K real quick, bro. I'm going to open this business or, hey, squeeze. I'm three months late on my rent. Can I get, can I get 6,000? And can I get another, another three? Cause I'm late on my car payment. And then you feel obligated because you're the breadwinner of the family. So you say, sure. Thinking that money's still going to come in, but what, what happens when your talent is gone? The next guy comes in and you're SOL because you're, you're out on the street trying to find another job. It's okay to say no. That's why I think it's, it's really in the athlete's best interest to get as much money from wherever you get it from, whatever team, as soon as you can, because you have unlimited time to maximize on your God-given talent. Yep, get get your bread how you can get it, because I know Draymond Green was telling the story how when he first got drafted by Golden State, he had to ask for an advance so that he could move out, because you're telling a kid that was broke for broke a minute ago, and you hand him a multi-million dollar contract, and you say, here, manage this there's no class in that and then if you watch the 30 for 30 documentary broke you got to pay taxes you got to pay your agent oh, oh, everybody yeah. in your entourage yeah. everybody's gonna eat off your plate first you're gonna get left with the leftovers that's it that's it hey well, it happens to the musicians too <laughs> <laughs> matt barnes too matt barnes talked about he was goes with second rounder undrafted yeah. and he's with he's with the orlando magic or whoever wherever he was at and they're at the strip club and they're throwing money out. He's low key grabbing the one dollar bills to throw them back himself, and even pocketing some of them so we can have some money because he they had a, he didn't have a guaranteed contract. Right. So I mean, and and thankfully, and I'll say this: like, thankfully, you've never been put in that position, Squeeze. You know, he's always. I mean, he's. he's I was I was lucky that that I wrote everything that I put out. Yeah, because if I didn't, I wouldn't be in this position for mm -hmm. some of the same reasons. You know, when you have so many people in the pot. Um, you have a, a huge family. Like my grandma had 24 kids. So it's like, we like a, we like a, a army, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, you, the, the, what this is about is, you know, you want to take care of your family. 
the end of the day, that's what you want to do. That's what you're doing this. That's what you're doing it for. But I think you have to realize that there's a limit. And especially with, with, with athletes, I mean, you're, you're a bad injury away from, from it being over. You know what I'm saying? Luckily, I've written some songs. Those songs are always going to make be able to make me something. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've cut so many people off from, you know, from being, <laughs> from being the, the ATM machine. Um, but it's, it's, it's not easy to do. And it's easy to get, to get caught up believing that, you know, the position you're in today, you're always going to be in. And that's just most of the time, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. But once again, like these are things that need to be taught by people who've been through them before. Like the NFL does a great job with their rookie symposium, but I think that should be like a year round thing. Yeah. And and have more than sport. one stream of income. Make sure you have multiple money coming in. And if you're in the music game, publishing, songwriting is where the money resides. Make money while you sleep because Mariah is making money while she sleeps every year when that Christmas song comes out and all of her hits that she writes. Bruh, she gonna make money while she dead. You understand me? <laughs> yeah. And Joe, you mentioned Mr. Kenny Anderson, aka Mr. Chips, played college basketball yeah, yeah. at Georgia Tech with Dennis Scott, Lethal Weapon Three, Bobby Cremens. Oh yeah. Come from a long line of New York point guards such as himself, Kenny the Jet Smith, God Sham God. Yes, sir. Oh yeah. Rod Strickland. Yeah. Sickening, make him jump like Rod Strickland. Yes, sir. They got that. Yeah, yeah. NY is known for and he's got a good documentary too. The, the, the Mr. Chibs documentary is really good too. Kenny opens up about alcoholism, um, dealing with but being molested, um, the, the whole recruiting process, going through depression, losing his mother, um, and, and then um, dealing with women in groupies. I mean, he got into a bad marriage with a woman that's a lot of young ladies watched on TV weekly on a certain VH1 show that it took half of his, his contract, $57 million. She got half of it and never shot a ball in the gym with him, mm-hmm. but had two kids and caught him cheating and got half that dough. That, that to me, that's asinine. But, I mean, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny's story is one of caution, but it's also one of hope because Kenny's redeemed himself. It's a great redemption story. And, and Chibs, is this, he's, he's a real one, man. I love him to death, and, I, and I'm glad that he's, he's, you know, he's, he's doing well now, and, and that's the biggest thing. Yeah, because those New Jersey Nets teams with him, Derek Coleman, and the late Drazen Petrovic, nice. Ooh, hey. Nice, yes. nice. And also, I can't forget Stephon Marbury. Come from those long lines. Oh, yeah, that's him out. I got Starberry. I, I have a Stephon story that, that's, that we were at the Chili Pepper uh, back in 99. Remember the Chili Pepper in Atlanta? Yeah. And we were on a Tuesday night, and, and Steph was already in the league, and I was there with a couple of frat brothers, and all of a sudden, you see this Lambo pull up, and here comes Steph in there. And, and Chili Pepper, you got to be dressed. He comes in with a white beater on, some jeans, and some Tims, and he comes over and he sees us and comes in and has some drinks with us. But Steph's a cool one, and, and things that Steph, Steph on Marbury is another one that's been blackballed from the NBA because Stephon speaks truth. And you got to give him credit for what he's done away from the NBA and what he's done to not only in China for this basketball career, but what he's doing for families and kids that can't afford things like shoes and other things, how he's making a, making it affordable for them and giving back. And that, that's his purpose. And I got to respect that. Right. And uh, last thing, and I want to get you guys out of here on this. Um, we lost recently two pioneering coaches in college basketball, John Thompson at Georgetown and John Chaney at Temple. Can you guys just speak on the impact that they had on 
college sports and also in addition to their impact at their respective schools, just the impact that the Fab Five at Michigan had on hip hop. You know, Jalen Rose, Chris Webber, Jimmy King, Ray Jackson, and Jawan Howard, current Michigan's basketball coach. I used to love Georgetown when I was little. Yes. I used to love him when I was little, man. And, and partly because coach just reminded you of your, of your grandpa. Just take no reminded mess. me of my grandpa. <laughs> he wasn't taking no jack. And 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 the love that his players had for him. That's I think that's the measure of a coach. Measure um, of a man. Yeah, yeah. Um the what 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 the people who you led. What do they have to say about your leadership? And with Coach Cheney and Coach Thompson, their players, they would take a bullet for them. And I mean, that's generations of players. So the basketball community lost two pillars. Um, and that coach-player relationship, I think that the newer, the, the younger coaches should go, they should study. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Is that that tough love, that discipline, that treating you as if you're a family member as opposed to a commodity, um, that's leaving. You know what I'm saying? And it, 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 it uh, once again, we come from a different place, man. It's a lot of personalities that went through Georgetown and Temple while, while they were leading those programs. And they were able, for the most part, to manage them well and send them off as men. So hats off to the two of them. Um, rest in peace. They yeah. thrilled us. They they thrilled us on the court. They thrilled us in some of the press <laughs> conferences and all of that, man. So so you know they will be missed. Um, as far as the Fab Five goes, um, they they definitely left a mark on the culture, and that mark lasted throughout the '90s and the 2000s. Yeah. I think even from the way a uniform was worn. Um, I, I was happy that they lost because I'm a North Carolina fan at the time. Ooh, yes, sir. Um, so I'm I, from North Carolina yeah. myself. So Tar Heel born. Tar My man. <laughs> Come on, spin around your head like a helicopter. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I was happy they lost at the time, but um, there was a hell of a squad, man. And the fact that they was all freshmen, like they, it, it was, it was must-see TV. They was box office. Even if you wasn't, you know, if you wasn't a Michigan fan, if you knew that they was playing, you just wanted to watch, you just wanted to see what they was going to do. Now, yeah. I would say that was, the, to me, that was the second most impactful college team in, in, in my life behind that UNLV team. And, and the funny thing is, what people don't realize is three of those Fab Five members were actually going to come to UNLV before Tarkanian got fired unceremoniously. Wow. And, and they would have been there with Jason Kidd, and there was a, a – um, Sean Campbell's got another guy that was going to be coming in, those already in the wow. league, but that was going to be that. But that five, those five, I mean, Jawan, uh, Chris, J Kid, and um, and Jalen would have been four of the five on UNLV. Um, the impact they made for the culture, I mean, that was must see TV when you would watch them on ESPN. Um, it, with Dick Vitale, you know, and everybody going crazy for him, it was. The way they played, and they played the same way we would go. We go. We go to the blacktop. We get in the street. We get on the court. You've seen that with them, and you've seen them talking head. And it was something that I was like, yeah, I can relate to that. They were very relatable for our generation. And and unfortunately, you know, the timeout situation with with, with C Web. I mean, 
that's be, and I and I believe that there's somebody on the bench that told him to call it, and he listened, being the because that's not something a mistake he would normally make. So um, I don't mind it at all. I know you don't. I it didn't great mind game. that mistake at all. <laughs> but yeah. on on the flip on the flip side, when you talk about Coach Thompson and Coach Cheney, um, the first thing I think of is Saturday mornings on CBS. It was Big, big East basketball every oh, Saturday morning. Big East. Yes, yep. and you've seen Joey Brown, Alonzo Mourning, mm-hmm. uh, Dikembe Mutombo. Then you go to St. John's with Chris Mullen and, and Mark Jackson and Syracuse with Billy Owens and Sherman Douglas and Ronnie Sykley. I mean, DC. yeah, you, you had Derek Coleman. Yeah, you had so many. Like, that was, to me, the creme de la creme of basketball. We were fortunate enough to grow, in, to grow up watching that mid to late 80s through like the mid nineties of basketball. Yeah. That's the golden age of basketball to me. And oh man. Cause we, LSU had a squad. Yeah, LSU did. Yeah. yeah. Stanley, when they had, Shaq, Mark Moore, Williams, Chris Jackson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, young squads back then, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Back then. It, it was, and it's so to see that when you see them coaches pass away, like a part of my childhood passes away as well. Um, and, you know, honestly with coach Thompson, I cried a little bit. Um, not, not because I've ever met Coach Thompson, but he impacted me from D.C. To, to Southern California. I mean, that's the kind of impact he had. The, some of the stuff that he would preach and teach. Basic fundamentals, not for just for coaching, but for life. And the same thing with Coach Cheney. To see him go after the reporter because he was going after a player. I mean, that, that's what you want. That's what you send your kids to college for. That's what I think Herm Edwards is doing at ASU. He's there to make your your young your young uh, teenage son. He's there to turn him into a man and make give him the tools to be successful in life. And you don't and you if you notice you don't see too many guys that play for Coach Thompson at Georgetown getting in any trouble. They're successful. Same thing with Coach Cheney. Same thing with Luke Carnesecca, the the St. John's coach at the time. Um, those those are the things you look for as a testament of a man. Uh, the impact they had far outweighs anything I think almost any other coach other than John Wooden had um, in, the, in the NCAA history. Right. I'll say this too. Um, uh, coach Thompson was a hell of a basketball call. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. He, he, I love the way he called games after he stopped coaching. Like, he, yeah. he definitely was an addition to, to, the, to the broadcast. Right. Gr- growing <clears throat> up during that time frame, I'm from. ACC country to me, old school biggies, second best basketball college conference <laughs> during that era. ACC, second. the best, of course. And of course, everybody, 100. my neck of the woods, had to rock that Georgetown starter jacket. Yeah, that was it. That's yeah, what that did it for it. all of them. That was yes. the baddest one. Yep. That was the fire right there, boy. Yeah, get the Georgetown starter jacket or get anything Raiders were started and don't come to the wrong yep. neighborhood be like, hey, where you from? <laughs> what size you wear? Your size, come up off them shoes. Your shoes, gonna end up, your shoes are going to end up on the power line and you had to call Believe somebody to, to get them back. But I want to say this in closing to all the young people that don't know how good these two players would have been had injuries not came in. Watch old clips of Detroit Pistons, Grant Hill, and Orlando Magic, oh, yeah. Penny Hardaway. Absolutely, yeah. Good yeah. ones. Two, yeah. Probably they, we'd probably be talking about them as two of the best ever. Hey, but give Grand Hill, I gotta give Grand Hill all the love and respect in the world. He's him and Tamia have, have for an entertainer and athlete to be married as long as they have, to stay out of the spotlight, out of the you know, no drama. 
Um, and for him to be there with her through all of her medical issues, you got to give Grant Hill his respect, man. That 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 right there is, is a real ass dude. Yeah, I mean, that's that's your, I'm gonna let you. That's your area. But for a man, <laughs> for a dude to still be able to do what Grant did with the amount of injuries that he had, he still was a perennial All Star. To have the, the type of injuries that he had, that dude is a that dude's built different. Yeah, I gotta give him his props, even though he went to that wrong school with the wrong shade of blue. Yeah, yeah. Term, and I still hate Christian Layton. See the thirty for thirty, and you know why. Oh, oh yeah, he, that uh, I think uh, he's the most hated athlete in my generation. I, I still don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. Yeah. I, I, I want to forget his anything. name. Christian Leitner, Trajan Landon, <laughs> Cherokee Parts, Jeff Capel, um, John Shire. <laughs> Shavlik Brown. You gonna make me throw up? Stop it! <laughs> yeah, I can. Anybody do other than Grant Hill? You 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 know right. where you can stick it, and I'm gonna say no more. So, um, you guys no, got any no. shout Corey outs? Corey McGetty cool. Corey McGetty cool. Yeah, but other than Elton Brand, shout out to Elton Brand doing his thing with the yeah, Sixers, Seventy yeah. Sixers. So, yeah. any shout outs you guys want to give before we wrap? And also tell the people about where they can find your content, franchise sports media, and also plug social media. Yeah, FranchiseSportsMedia.com is our website. Um, come on here and check us out, man. We do all of Vegas sports, like we said. Um, you can catch us at the Franchise LV, at the Franchise LV on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, Facebook. On Facebook and on YouTube. And Twitch is FSMLV. And, and one thing I want to say, go to TheRealTQ.com. He just dropped a new single oh, yeah. on Valentine's Day called Roses. Rose. Um, Rose, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. And it is a the video shot and directed by Trisha Lacoste, but the video is is banging. It's if you it's also a testament to all the first responders, everybody battling COVID on the front lines. Yeah. Uh, the video is very touching. Uh, so go check that out. Download it as much as you can on Spotify. Yeah, um, it's the real TQ.com. You can follow me on Twitter at TQ the Trojan. Instagram is TQ the Trojan. Just search TQ the Trojan. It'll come up. All right. I'm at Joe Rigo, A-double-R-I-G-O. Just hit me up on there. All right. And you can catch this interview wherever you stream your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on my YouTube channel for the video, Beyond the Album Cover. Join Facebook.com, Beyond the Album Cover, to get updated of all things related to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe and TQ of Franchise Sports Media, thank you guys for coming on to the podcast. Hey. Hey. Throw them dubs up.